your talk show for all things automotive. From the latest news to the greatest views and the biggest names in rolling iron. Your host is Brett Hatfield, freelance auto journalist, senior auction analyst for Sports Car Market Magazine and American Car Collector Magazine, writer and editor of ReadTheDriven.com and owner of his own small but growing fleet of cool cars. Get behind the wheel of an hour of car talk starting right now. Thanks so much for spending time with Driven Radio. We know your time's valuable and we want to make it worth it. You can find us online at readthedriven.com. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Driven Radio Show. On Twitter at Driven Radio Show. Pippa, IO, uh, TuneIn.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, everywhere you want to listen to podcasts. I am Brett Hatfield. I'm here with my co-host, Vern Estes, Yo. local Shelby expert, and radio god, Mark Groves. <laughs> I don't know about that. Laura Pantheon. <laughs> I am shaped like a god. It just happens to be Buddha. <laughs> Rub the tummy for luck. <laughs> you know, here's here's the thing about being godlike. Uh, when, you know, when you know how to do something we don't know how to do. It, it makes you look like you're some kind of a guy. So God forbid we figure this out. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Hey, uh, just back from Amelia Island this week, and there was a lot of cool stuff going on there. Oh, sure. Uh, we've also got, uh, I want to talk about Russo and Steel, their inaugural car auction there. We, uh, I also just want to talk about Amelia Island in general and the sales uh, uh, trends that it looks like we're getting out of there. We've got a really cool guest, Richard Kitzmiller of Scarab Motorsports, to yeah. talk to. Oh, that website. Oh, baby. Oh, he's got such cool stuff. And uh, also a little Corvette news, maybe a car show or two you could get to now that we're coming out of this winter malaise. All kinds of good stuff coming up. So let's take a look at what's cooking in the car world news this week. Uh, just got back from Amelia Island, man. That was yeah, nice. How was that? Well, first of all, when I left, it was 16 degrees. Yeah. Oh, we know. And I got a sunburn down there. So. Shut yeah. up. Yeah. Well, okay. Segwon's over. Yeah. Screw that's you. It. Yes. That's it. We're done. <laughs> you, and, you and your warm weather and tan and crap. I did go work. I did go work. <laughs> in the sun. It's nice. Work. I did, that's awesome. That's hilarious. I did go work in the warm sun. <laughs> yeah. uh, I did go look at really expensive cars, other people's that toys. That sounds really difficult. Uh, <laughs> I did run into our friend Freddie Hernandez Tavares that we had on the show yeah, yeah. earlier. Also ran into Tyler Hoover. We've trying to been trying to get nailed down. And he says he's coming on the show. Thank oh, God. dude. Nice. Uh, in fact, he said next week. But, the purveyor uh, of the Hoopty fleet himself. Oh, yeah, wow. absolutely. <laughs> and, and also, uh, he he lied. He what, lied. what? Well, wait a second. He said he vowed that he wasn't going to buy any more new cars this year unless uh? he got permission from one of the car gods, i.e. Jay Leno or uh, Jeremy Clarkson. And it looks like he got permission from Leno. What do you get? Did he? Did you well, see uh, I didn't see what he buy, but what he bought. But he had a segment on YouTube talking to Leno, and Leno said, "No, go ahead, buy a car." So sounds like he's off the hook. Anyway, dang, uh, got to talk to the guys, which was really cool. Got to talk to Peter Clute from Legendary Motor Car Company. Uh, that was really cool, and it was kind of interesting because I was bent over the hood. <laughs> of a 70 Mustang Mach 1 or a 70 Mustang Boss 302. Where, where's the story going? <laughs> yeah, I don't wanna, we don't want to hear about your personal life, Brett. Okay. Taking a picture of the engine, I look up nice. and Peter Klute's standing there. Oh my god. Hello. Like, 
Hi, <laughs> you're Peter Clute. You're Peter Clute. He says, yes, you're right. I am. Uh, I am. Uh, anyway, wound up talking to him about the car for a little bit. And then he asked after Keith Martin and how he's doing and all that good stuff. Keith got to go home last week. He got out of the rehab center. Oh, and yeah, he's yeah, back yeah. home and he's healing and improving. Woot. And that's really cool. So best wishes out to Keith. Uh, also, while I was walking around at Russo and Steel, uh, they had really extraordinary stuff for this first sale at Amelia Island. I uh, had a 1963 Ferrari GT250 Lusso uh, from the Adam Levine collection, the guy Ooh, from Maroon 5. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Did it have matching tattoos all over the car? Uh, or? <laughs> no, it actually had really incredible paint, and it had a Ferrari Class E uh, certification on the restoration. Also had, you know how guys will do... Uh, uh, books they'll do binders with mm-hmm. pictures from the restoration and all that oh, stuff sure, yeah this had one of those but the cover on the binder was the quilted leather the quilted stitching leather to match the interior of the car oh my with true ferrari emblems on it oh my and you open it up and one of the pages has a little screen on it and you push the play button and a video starts up on the page Oh my God! Really? Showing you the restaurant? Yeah, this oh, is. Oh, that's just far too sexy. Yeah, well, that was like that. What was it? Uh, several months ago, you and I were talking about uh, oh. Ferrari that put out. Wasn't it Ferrari that put out the uh, the book that came in like a uh, mini engine yeah, yeah, block? Yeah, 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 yeah. And you could get you could get a really cool coffee table book for, for sixty five hundred dollars. <laughs> But, I tell you, or, the world of Ferrari merchandise is just a whole nother. Oh, it was, you know, it was staggering. Ferrari branded I even Pumas. I ball cap. And, and gym <laughs> are shorts. Are there yeah. freaking Ferrari hot dogs out there? Because I might be able to afford one of those. <laughs> no, no, no. Not hot dogs. Not hot dogs. We don't go low, bro. Sassuage. Yeah, there you there go. There we go. <laughs> nice, though, man. That's it. Oh, so it's, oh. I, it's still on their website, by the way, and it's a beautiful car. It was so sexy. The fact that I got to crawl around in that for a second. Oh, dude, I'll bet. Yeah, I don't belong in that car, but it was cool. Uh, they also had a, uh, a 56 Mercedes 300 SL Gullwing. Black over red. Oh. They had the black over red Lusso and the black over red Gullwing, and they were kind of the bookends for all the really cool stuff. Ferrari heavy auction, Porsche heavy auction, lots of really cool stuff. Not too bad getting to go and stand in the Florida sun when it's, you know, snows on the ground back here. You know, uh, I'm looking also at, and this is right up your alley, uh, there's a 69 Ford Mustang Boss 429 Fastback. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was a a white one. It seems like just about every auction has one now. You know, they're kind of everywhere. Well, they also had that that 65 uh, Shelby GT350, number Uh 47. Yeah, serial number 47. Yep, we've talked extensively about that particular car. That had awfully good paint, but it also, uh, there was a missing data plate on that that hmm. uh i'm not sure what happened there but it was a pretty cool car i know that that thing traded hands not long ago a couple of years ago for 300 plus yep so uh pretty neat car lots of interesting stuff there not much in the way of american stuff but the american stuff that was there was very good yeah and a really cool show uh now as far as other news coming out of amelia island it looks like we're starting to see the rise of a, of the millennial car collector coming out of that. And yeah. the, data, the sales data shows that the sales were down just slightly from last year, uh, $79.6 million for all the auctions as opposed to $80.7 million last year. So not that much difference. The interesting thing to note, though, is that there were so many less cars offered this year and only a small difference in the overall sales total. Yeah, there so, were fewer cars and the, tail, and the totals were really close. 
and there weren't as many super high dollar cars. Mm-hmm. So we're starting to see millennial collectors and and younger Gen X collectors buying in to the hundred thousand dollar and under collector range. Sure. And, and a lot of that there was a there's a fair amount of that moving. So. Awfully cool stuff coming out of Amelia Island. It's going to be interesting to watch what the trends are. And this is a continuation of, the, of a trend that's been going on the last 18 months. Sure. And it looks like they're going to keep moving that way. Uh, awfully good sell-through rate for the other big auctions there. Uh, said overall total sell-through of about 69%. So anyway. Nice. Uh, lots of cool stuff. Glad to be home. We're going to t- I'm, It's going to take me weeks to hash through everything. <laughs> and I'm still writing up all the cars that I saw there. Uh, Coming up, we've got a special guest this week, Richard Kitzmiller of Scarab Motorsports, LLC. Richard will be in studio with us to talk about scarabs and race cars and fast stuff and scary stuff and all kinds of fun stuff. 190 miles per hour. He's going to tell us something about 190 miles per hour. I can't even believe it. All that and more coming up on Driven Radio. Welcome back to Driven Radio, the best in car talk anywhere. Our special guest this week is Richard Kitzmiller of Scarab Motorsports, LLC, makers of Scarab Recreations and also a lot of other stuff we're going to talk about. Uh, Richard, you build uh, Scarabs in a couple of different trims and a couple different models. Uh, for the uninitiated, the, those who yeah. don't know what a Scarab is, because yeah. they were really rare. I saw it in a movie called yeah. The Mummy. Yeah, <laughs> they're, they're, they're kind of like a beetle. Yeah, they, only they're actually yeah, like yeah, a beetle. It's really a dung, well, it's, it's, it's a dung beetle. It's, it's a big, is, it's a big, big beetle. Yeah, exactly. Uh, anyway, for, for those who don't know, can you tell us a little bit about what the scarab is and the scarab's creator, and give us a little background, could you? Sure. Um, basically, it was built um, by Lance Reventlow, and he started the company, and I believe it was August of Lake '57. He was 21 at the time. Um, his mother was Barbara Hutton, who was the Woolworth heiress. And at the time, I remember, I think she was either the richest woman in the U.S. or the world, either one. Oh, my word. Either one would work for me, obviously. But um, <laughs> Hades, uh, he wanted to race cars. And just to kind of preface that, um, he raced um, pretty much kind of out of high school when he started. A good friend of his, Bruce Kessler, who I know he's out in California, um, they went to Europe to look at cars. Uh, Bruce had like a 300 SL and some things, so they wanted Ooh. to get a real race car. So they went over to look at Listers and some things, and um, he got over there and toured around and uh, <clears throat> came back and said, well, I can build a better car. And uh, nice. hey, I can uh, build a better car than 21 year old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, his wallet size was pretty good, so he uh, <laughs> could build pretty much what he wanted. Yeah, other but, people yeah, build a better car. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so he started the company. He was very, he was pretty good. I mean, mechanical driver, he was pretty good. Uh, so he started the company and with the idea that he wanted to compete in Europe with these sports cars, the two seater sports car. Okay. And of course, what happens when you do that? Uh, a lot of the old manufacturers over there, because we don't really have one. Our, our 
um, sports racing history is a totally different than Europe is and in the UK. We don't have really anybody that road race per se by a factory except possibly a Corvette. So he decided to build these. So he he hired basically the best in the business. And Chuck Day, uh, Warren Olson, his wife Nina were the managers. Um, uh, Richie Ginther was involved. Oh. Uh, Oh yeah, he. I mean, he had some serious people Phil here. Remington, Bruce Kelly, yeah, Phil Remington. Oh, and Rem wound up working for Shelby later. Mm-hmm. A lot of well, them. Yep. you know, Cold Shelby actually the building that Reventlow was in when he went out of business is the one that Shelby took over. Oh yeah, no, kidding. Rem, Rem came with the building. Yeah, well, he came, yeah, yeah, he came with the building, and uh, and anybody you ever talk to says Rem was the best fabricator that ever lived. Yeah, I mean, you can read stories about him. Um, everybody be talking about how to fix something. He'd go away and come back in a half hour and have the solution, <laughs> uh, and that's literally it. I never got to meet him uh, personally. He passed in about, um, man, let me think. Um, well, Chuck Day passed in about March of 08, and Phil passed, I forget when. We um, uh, have two, to answer your question, actually, two um, series that I do. I do a standard high-performance streetcar, sure. uh, and then I do an FI-certified um, scare, which is approved for racing in Europe and so forth. And um, the... Um, uh, uh, the streetcar, uh, they're all aluminum. They're a little different on that because I have upper and lower A-arms all the way around. Sure. Uh, uh, disc brakes. The um, FIA car is exactly what it was at the time. They had these monstrous so, drum brakes on there. When Reventlow <laughs> and everybody that he hired right. was building them, that's what they were building. Yeah, they built. Uh, they actually built three of the front engine cars, which were the ones actually, they were successful from 58 up to 64, which is really phenomenal. Um, then he built a mid-engine car that A.J. Foyt raced for Makem, and uh, it was okay, it did okay, and then he did four open-wheel cars for Formula cars, which went to Europe and um, uh, and really never were successful. They What they do over there, they change the formula on you if it looks like they're gonna, you're going to have a car. You're winning too much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, yeah, Enzo was Did that to Shelby in, yeah. uh, in 64 and 5, actually. Yeah, so, so that's well, very Well, then they did it to Ford again in, what, 69 or 70? After 67, yeah, yeah, yeah. Made, made it yeah. all small block, yep. You know, so they did. That's a trick of theirs. But um, they never really got into the European market. And, and uh, they did internationally. They won the Nassau Cup. They did it in most sports. So uh, the car, um, the FIA car is actually eligible because – not only in some of these venues, it has to be exactly, it's like 99.9% then uh, to the original, which we have the drum brakes, we have the big Dadeon rear end and all that, which is appropriate for the Which the drum brakes you got specifically from Augie Paps, right? Well, wait, wait, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. Before we go too far, because I'm dying to talk <laughs> yeah. about your cars, but how many did... did <coughs> Riven Lowe and his crew make mm-hmm. originally three. So three they made cars. three what they call the sports race car, which is a two seater, which is what I built. Mm-hmm. They made one mid engine, which looks like a Lola T seventy kind of, and then they made four uh, open wheel cars. Basically. Okay, so he only made really eight cars. So now, the three front engine cars. Now I, I I'm cheating here a little bit. I know it. those exist because I saw them at Pebble Beach last year. They were, uh, yeah, yeah. They yeah. were all sitting in a line yeah. next to the the dozen uh, <coughs> tuckers they had. Right. So, yeah. But 
So three cars. That was I've seen the whole production of the front engine cars. Exactly. Yeah. The the uh, current owners uh, they've went through some iterations here on ownership. Obviously, uh, Rob Walton from the Walmart family owns the number one car. Uh, the second car was owned by Augie Papp since like 1970, maybe late 60s. He sold it to John Mozart, who's up in the Bay Area, okay. a big collector. And the third car is at the Collier Museum down at Naples. Oh, okay. At the Revs Institute. And they're the only three. They're, I don't, well, you can't buy one now, basically. I know kind of what they were thinking on what Augie's one. It's probably, it was probably between eight and 10 million, I think, for his car when he sold it. So it's, a, it's essentially like a, a Cobra Daytona Coupe. They're just untouchable. And yeah, twice I mean, as yeah. Rare. well, they are because, you know, um, it's it's a funny um, deal with these cars. They're they're well known if you're in the vintage kind of thing sure. and stuff, you know, the cars, but they are really highly recognized, even though they raced. They won all kinds of championships. I, I'll give you an example. When they took the first car out on the track in California mm-hmm. and Chuck Day got in, he was kind of a cranky guy anyway, but uh, <laughs> literally, I'm not telling tales, everybody says that, but Chuck was out there and he was rolling around the track and just, and he came in and Richie was there and then ran by and the rest of the crowd. He could be said, no, this isn't good at all. He said, this suspension needs to be redone. You know, it's not handling right, and yada, yada, yada. And Richie says, you just took a second and a half off the track record, so stop complaining. <laughs> and then Richie, Richie went out and took off three seconds off of that. Oh, my. This, this car was extremely fast. I've talked to Harry um, Harry and Don and, and the guys what I call from the Midwest. Harry Hoyer is the one that started the Meister Browser Yeah. Team. And he's up in Wyoming, and um, we're hoping to have him because they're going to have the 60th reunion for the Meister Browser team uh, this June or up at Elkhart this year. But I asked Carrie, I said, how fast were these? Because everybody, you know, it's like barroom talk. And he said, well, me and little brother is Don Devine. He calls Don little brother. Um, he says, we were at Daytona race. He says, they got me at about 192 and Donnie at about 185. In an open car. Yeah, well, in a 1958 open car. Yeah. That's the preface. Oh, you know, like a new Corvette, a new Corvette open, I could probably do that. But we're I, the yeah. enamel right off your teeth. Yeah, it's, uh, wow. Yeah, it's it was extremely fast. It had won. Were they even using seatbelts in 58? Well, I talked to Don about that because the roll bar was below his head. And uh, basically, the idea was I'll duck, but it's a physics problem, I tell people. <laughs> uh, the, uh, so that, and then the safety suits. Uh, when I was racing, I had you know a three-layer thing. You could be at whatever, 1,500 degrees for like 20 seconds. You could make it out. They bought a cotton jumpsuit, you wow. know, like a, oh, like a wow. garage, and then they dip it in borax. <laughs> and I told Donnie, I said, Don, I said, what do you do after that second tenth of a second goes by? You're done, you know. <laughs> yeah. So there wasn't a lot of safety issues with these cars back then. So it took a a different individual. Well, the only us. upside for the to the borax is, you know, as you sweat during the race, you just smell like detergent. Yeah, yeah, it cleans itself. You just keep getting cleaner. Yeah. yeah. In the day, if, you, if you're going to get into an accident in those cars anyway, I mean, you just pull a Maston Gregory and you stay unbuckled and you just jump the hell out of it. Yeah, I mean, that's that's <laughs> yeah, the other at theory. A, at a buck ninety two. Well, John Morton uh, was racing the uh, Collier car back about four or five years ago in, in Monterey. It wasn't his fault. He was coming out of. I think two or three, I forget which one, but he was going around this way and a Corvette came, came off the track and came back and caught him in the back quarter. And that thing just rolled like three times. Oh my goodness. uh, Flattened the roll bar and he only had a sprained wrist. But um, the actual construction of that car, as far as how the cage was built is pretty phenomenal, a pretty phenomenal deal. 
Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. I'm looking at a picture of it uh, right now on uh, on your website, Scarab Motorsports. Yeah. And the new car is modeled after the 58 Scarab race car, that blue one that you've got yeah, there. Yeah, that's the, the what I call the Meister browser. I do a limited edition of that. There's 20 of those, and that's it. I actually have 20 I can that do with the number smoking. one car. Oh, they are. And then um, they are sexy. They, I, I tell you, it's I had nothing to do with Chuck Pelley, who I know he's in San Diego. Chuck designed the body on this when he was like 18 years old. Well, you know, he it, was at the Art Institute. I can believe that because it's got that kind of 18 year old's aggressiveness. But it's to me, it looks kind of like if you took one of those older uh, Fiat Spiders and then you stretched it, you got it like too hot. And, and took some taffy to it yeah. and then added some sex. Yeah. Yeah. It's gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, I tell you, God, it's, it's really a funny deal because I asked Chuck several times. I said, you know, how did you do this? He goes, I just took all the best lines off of European cars because everything here, yep. like I say, our road racing history is totally different. It's basically all independence. Reventlo was an independent, except he had a big bag of money. Sure. I mean, you had <laughs> uh, Old Yeller, you had all these ones, and Max built, I think, nine. Uh, old yellers so they there really weren't uh you know anything that uh companies sponsored and stuff but this thing is absolutely gorgeous i had nothing to do with that that was all chuck uh, <laughs> really it's, really it's a, it's a beautiful car amazingly cool stuff uh we'll be right back with more from richard kitzmiller of uh, scarab motorsports on driven radio This is Driven Radio, the best car sounds this side of a rumbling V8. Uh, we're back speaking to Richard Kitzmiller of Scarab Motorsports LLC about Scarab recreations, race cars, Scarab history, and all the other cool builds and stuff that you do. And we're going to try to get to all of it, but you've got so much it's cool stuff to talk about. Yeah, yeah. There's, a, there's a lot to it's cram in. To cover. Okay, yeah. so three of the three front engine Scarabs still exist. And we were talking a little bit about the history and also what you do. But what got you interested in building Scarab Recreations? Well, um, actually, when my family moved from Pennsylvania in 59, um, I was in the cars, but they didn't have any of this stuff. It was all road and track and a couple of things like that. And um, he went out and won a lot of stuff. Actually, in 58, they won the first L.A. Times Grand Prix with the Scarab and beat Phil Hill and the Ferraris and everybody else. So you got a name like Lance Reventlo. Mm -hmm. You know, you go, you got to start reading this article. So the cars were just gorgeous. And um, that's kind of when I actually was interested in them. And then uh, about, well, let's see, you got 20 years ago, 19, 20 years ago, um, I thought, well, uh, I was doing some Oldsmobiles just for fun and stuff. I did some frame-offs, and I thought, um, I'm tired of messing with old rusty frames. So I thought, well, maybe somebody made a kit, like a Cobra kit. I built a couple Cobras for guys in town. And um, I looked at that market, and it was just too polluted. I mean, it was just everybody was making Cobras. And uh, I thought, well, certainly somebody's made a, a Scarab. So I made some calls. I called Chuck Beck up. He's the one that did the specs, uh, Chuck Beck Spiders. He made like 3,000 of these things. He's quite a guy and did the 904s, and he did a Lister. And I called, and I asked him, I said, do you know anybody that's doing it? He said, no, it's not the same as a Lister looked all over and nobody was doing it okay so i thought well gee i'll do that okay moment of insanity as my wife says and um it was difficult because there's only three of them i mean if i was going to do a cobra i could have bought one and 
just you know did a body and off you go you can't get one of these because one there was nobody building them the three guys that owned them at the time weren't going to let you within 100 feet of them and we did research pictures and so forth and uh, since then um uh, particularly Augie Paps has been a very good friend of ours and Don and Harry and that oh, that's crowd. cool. Oh yeah. So, uh, it, it took a little time. I, we, uh, there was a fellow in Florida that had access to the Collier car at one point and he was making one that, um, it was fiberglass on a cover frame with a stick axle in the back. So it wasn't even close to being correct. No. So he, he wanted to sell it and stuff. So we ended up coming to agreement. I had, um, Kaylee Arbor's uh, 84T Birdie One Talladega in a museum up in Detroit at the Novi Museum. And he got mad at one guy that was trying to knock him down on the price. He said, you still have that car? I said, yeah. Uh, and he says, I'll swap you straight across for all my stuff. I said, okay, we did that. So that's how I ended up with wow. some fiberglass molds and engineering, which I threw out, which weren't correct. But basically what I wanted was the body mold. Sure. And I spent a couple months correcting that because it had the Cobra flap in the front, which wasn't right, you know, all that stuff. Well, that was the next question. Was the body mold fairly close? It was probably... 90%, 85%, 90%. So it was close enough. I mean, I just had to do some things to to tidy it up. And um, so that's how it started with that. And then uh, uh, my business partner, Beth Schmidt, and I started doing some welding on our own, which was really unfortunate. Uh, <laughs> because, well, Guilty as charged. Yeah, what, well, what happened was gas welding. So we went and took a bunch of classes down there. And it was unfortunate. The first tab I ran, the first sample was like six inches. It was absolutely perfect. And from then on, it just went downhill. <laughs> So, in any case, what happened, we had a con- we got a contact for a fabricator over in Poland. And it's not the MIG factory. Because, oh, it's the MIG factory. I said, no, it's not the MIG factory. It's different. But anyway, um, I sent the fiberglass body over there. We did all the jigs and everything and uh, started uh, fabricating uh, aluminum bodies. That's all I do. I don't oh. do anything else, basically. And um, But aluminum fabrication is no joke. No. And see, the thing is, it's interesting because... The process that we know in the U.S. for cars is based on the English wheel. Sure. You stand there and do this. Their process is based on an aircraft industry, which is really stretch molding or hydroforming kind of thing. You build a tooling piece and you either drive it up in there or drive it down over this piece. So you end up with about 80% of the shape and about 10% of the time. We all know time's money. Sure. There you go. I mean, I don't know if you ever heard of Marcel's out in California. Yes. Uh, well, you know, he passed away last year, but Luke, his son, built the, uh, you'll see it if you come over to the house, open house. He built the prototype body for the uh, Indy Roadster we're doing. And uh, he's an English wheel guy and stuff. But I told him, uh, he looked at one of my cars that one of my early customers managed to hit something in a gas station. I don't even want to ask what it was. Oh. What it was. Um, and Luke called me. He said, you know, I have any more? He said, no, I don't. But um, uh, I, I got to know him pretty well. And uh, he said, what would it take for you to build one of my cars? And he said, he said, this work is really way above average. I said, I already knew that, but it's all wired edge. You'll see it. And um, he said, you're looking at probably five or 600 hours at least. Oh, my. And he's 80 bucks an hour, which I think is very reasonable for what he does. I mean, the work he does is just off the charts. So, you know, you're talking 50, 60,000 bucks. Um, and with the other process, you can cut that in half. Oh, my. So it's oh, a, yeah. but you got to do the tooling. You got to do all these other things to, to get there. So if you're not going to do three, um, you know, three or four cars, it doesn't pay you. Well, to yeah, do economies that. of scale. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So. Okay, uh, tell us everything you put into one of these. If you can give us a quick thumbnail. 
Um, you mean components? Sure. No, wait, no, what do you, is that what you're talking about? Well, we know you've got an aluminum body. Right, okay. I'll just, our street car, both cars are the same, but the suspension system basically is different. I redid the Meister Browser Limited Edition because there's some small body modifications that are fine for the street car, but not for an FIA car. Okay. Um, it's minor stuff, but uh, basically we have the aluminum body. It's on a 4130 TIG welded frame. It's designed exactly like the original. Um, on the street version, uh, we have lower and upper A-arms all the way around. Corvette C6 upright with um, a well-wood brake package. Okay. Uh, Tony Woodward does our steering rack, which is, you know, it's like a piece of jewelry. It's really nice. Uh, ATL fuel cell, um, store water gauges, um, and the inside is a little bit more um, up to the customer. Okay. And stuff. And uh, <coughs> excuse me, we do um, all the electrics the same. I've done 25 of those cars. Is the is the drive drivetrain different on every car? Is that customer spec? Or? Yeah, it's customer spec. We have one with an LS in it. Uh, most of them pick a 350, and I supply if they want a manual. Well, it looks like a manual injection system from Hillborn, but it's all EFI. Hillborn sure. and I developed that a number of years ago, and uh, some will put a carbureted engine in and do whatever. So it's kind of up to the customer what they want. We got one with like 550 horsepower that Draco built. Which is crazy on a so, five-inch wide tire. You know. So what's well, the dry weight on that? Yeah, what's that's the that's the next question. I'm sorry, the dry the weight? Dry weight the dry weight. Dry weight, yeah. what's the way? On the car you see, which is actually the very first car I built, uh, Bob Kendall owns it. I built it for my brother, actually. He sold it to a distributor, and he never did anything. Bob bought it from him a couple, three years ago. With a quarter tank of gas, it's twenty one forty. But that's, but that's <laughs> lighter than the car. Well, but the other thing is that's with an all-steel engine, and it's with a 95-wall tubing. Okay, so what's a Meister car weigh? Uh, I don't know if we ever met. Really, I, I'm guessing it's probably 1900. It may oh be less Lord. because that was done with 65 wall, and um, well, it had an all cast engine. I mean, the LS engine I have in that Indy Roadster is um, probably 150 pounds lighter. So I have a customer that stuck an LS in one of our cars. So you're so, talking 1750, 1800 Yeah, pounds. you know, I could get her down to about 1800 without breathing too hard. With you know. with <laughs> easily four to 500 horsepower. You put in what you want. I mean, the original cars. And traction control and ABS yeah, and door yeah, guards yeah, yeah, and all, yeah, the, all the things that you would expect. Not like any that. of yeah. that. Um, <laughs> basically, it's uh, one of those deals where, uh, you know, you've got a very limited tire we usually put on like a excelsior or a dunlop racing tire and uh, it's funny because the streetcar actually with a few things is is qualified for svra racing you only have to check the aluminum brake calipers off put corvettes on and uh has to be a four speed with a uh, um, injected all steel block so is this the scariest thing you've ever driven <laughs> Because uh, it sounds like it would be. Yeah, it's uh, I, it's funny because I don't I don't drive a lot of them because I don't I don't have one for the company that we do. We build them and they go away. And I drive I drove the one, uh, but Bob Kendall who owns the number one car. He was coming down to Elkhart last year and he goes, Dick, we need to get this windshield beefed up a little bit because it's about a one thirty. It starts folding. <laughs> <laughs> so Good it's enough. yeah. I mean it's it's a fast car. 
It sounds like we've been speaking with Richard Kitzmiller of Scarab Motorsports. And Richard, there's so much we didn't get to that we'd really like to. We'd love to have you back on if you're available sometime in the not horribly distant future. Sure, anytime. Uh, You need to check out his website at www.scarabmotors.com. You can also find uh, Scarab Motorsports on Facebook at Scarab Motorsports. And there's so much good stuff. You you've have you have services that you do for customers. You've done yeah. some restorations on other cars. You even have a couple other models that we haven't had a chance to talk about, but we very much want to. And we want to have you back to talk about all this oh, in sure, greater sure. detail. Anytime, I appreciate and it. And your open house is? It's the 23rd of this month, so it's a week from Saturday. Week, and, from, week from Saturday. Uh, and it's going to be eh, roughly probably about 10, 30, 11 o'clock till people get tired and go home. And where, <laughs> and where do we need to find, come it's, it's, to uh, find this insanity? Yeah, it's uh, 5002 Hadley. It's actually in Overland Park. Uh, it's um, in the OP. Yeah, yeah. It's two blocks uh, east of Antioch on Merriam Lane, and you'll see us. We're down at the very end on the right, and we'll have a scarab there. We'll have the Indy Special Series we just started, and uh, um, I got to think what else might be there. Uh, we're starting to build some frames, so you'll be able to see what it looks like from the ground up. Oh man, I can't wait to get a look at this stuff, Richard. Thank you so much for being with yeah, us. Oh, sure, my pleasure. It. My pleasure. Coming up on Driven Radio, we've. Uh, we got more stuff to talk about. We got a lot of events. Well, we got a lot of events coming up, and there's a little bit of Corvette <laughs> news because I couldn't let it go by. <laughs> That's an event in itself. And that is an event in itself, and uh, I might be there for the debut of the next generation. Not sure yet. We've got all that and more coming up on Driven Radio. Welcome back to Driven Radio. Hey, we've got a lot more stuff to talk about. And one of the things that I've been dying to discuss, yeah. and we just didn't have enough time in, in the first part of the show. It just goes so fast. Well, it does. It flies by, and there's so it much It was cool Amelia. Stuff. She's a time hog. Well, and she, just but, a but she was just lovely. She up. was beautiful. Uh, Corvette news. You didn't think I could let a show go by like <laughs> No. Uh, okay. <laughs> We've all talked a lot about the eighth generation Corvette, the mid-engine Corvette that's coming out, and all of the rumors that the rumor mill is cranked out, and hey, it's going to debut in January at the Detroit show. No, it's not going to. It's going to be in March. No, it's going to be in December. Okay, latest rumors, and this, and we're these are fairly solid, but you know, it, it's not true till it's true. Anyway, latest rumor is that the Corvette didn't debut it at Detroit because they were having electrical problems. We talked about this before. Well, it sounds like the electrical system in the new Corvette is CAN bus system, computer area network, over 100 little computers in the car. Oh, my God. And they're having trouble getting all the electrical to talk to each other properly. But the other problem they're saying they're having is the new Corvette is supposed to be much like the last two generations where you've got a base model like the Stingray is now, and then you've got... Uh, a performance version at, like the Z06, and then the hot, super hot version is the ZR1. The new base model is supposed to be around 500 horsepower. God, base. <laughs> base model at 500 <laughs> horsepower. And then there's going to be a middle-of-the-road version that we haven't seen numbers on yet. 
There's rumors of a twin turbo V8 thousand horsepower version oh for the top of the God. line, supplemented by electric motor hybrid system that drives yeah. the front wheels. But the rumor is now that when they rev up, when they get on the uh, the throttle hard in the top of the line thousand horsepower motor, it twists the frame. <gasps> Who would have thought? <laughs> you know, I mean, at a thousand horsepower, you just would have never seen that coming. Oh yeah, there's an aluminum frame, and yeah. it just twists up like a beer can. Well, that's like that dude we talked to, uh, and there's a little video on uh, on your Facebook page that uh, the cat I spoke to about the Camaros. Oh uh, yeah, 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 seventy four because he was uh, drag racing them. Yeah, and he was and he pointed out the crack in the in the, the crack, top of the, the crack the, at the B pillar. Yeah. Yeah, because it's just torquing it. Out. Well, apparent, oh. apparently they're seeing something similar in the new Corvettes. Can you imagine still trying the to get fenders just popping off of that thing? Like you know, when, when you race Cobras and you go around corners, the doors have a habit of unlatching because they flex so much. Well, I'm sure. Oh. Well, and you know, you you flex it enough, and then you got only three wheels that touch the ground, so <laughs> that that's problematic. But the other. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, you can park it at an angle, though, well, I, <laughs> vertically. The other thing that's come up about the Corvette in the last week is there was video taken of a bunch of test mules down in Arizona that they were running around in, and GM President, uh, GM President Mark Royce is riding shotgun in one of them. So Ooh. if they've got him running around in the cars, they must be getting pretty darn close to having the thing wrapped up. Now, new rumor is that the Corvette will be released at the National Corvette Museum in August when the Corvette Caravan arrives. And I found this out right after I signed up to be in the Corvette Caravan. So I'm really, really, really <laughs> thrilled about that. Uh, not only am I going to drive to uh, Bowling Green in the 60 and make myself six inches shorter, but when I get there, there may be a new Corvette waiting to take pictures oh, of. Oh, that smooth ride. Yeah, time will tell. We call it the Conestoga. I'm not sure it's that that smooth. That smooth, you know? yeah. Uh, Buckboard? Yeah, yeah, just yeah a, right there. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. whole lot of cool stuff coming up now that we finally started to find ourselves out of the throes of this nasty winter. Almost all the snow is off my driveway. And almost almost yeah almost, now almost. all you got left is the dirty snow the oh, stuff it's that so gross man snow. it's half rock it's it's like a third salt and the rest yeah, of it it's, is it's a solid swamp all the garbage and you know your your old neighbor and lady's a tree that fell on my house it's it. all the grunge from that and oh, somewhere in there's by the way is a chainsaw blade yeah it, oh i'm sure it came off that a little electric one that i had to kind of jigger and around a couple to make of it work. newspapers that are now yeah, mushed up in there did you manage to get all the oak out of your windshield <laughs> yeah actually haven't gotten all the windshield out of my heat heating system but you know <laughs> hey, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like christmas because there's these little sparkles every oh, once in a while yeah. don't breathe that up. don't breathe that yeah, that's I, bad for you i'm doing my best but i mean there's it's just there's fairy dust on my dashboard oh, God, i can't even imagine it's good times eh, poop happens you know <laughs> could have been worse i could have been in it <laughs> oh yeah well hey if you ever want to fix that up i hear leaf blowers work well <laughs> that's, that's my next stop <laughs> so coming up march 10th in independence that's uh wow that's already gone we won't talk about that one good coming idea up march 22nd gardner uh the kids for classic car show you know what i'm not gonna edit that out that was awesome <laughs> oh that's I'll leave that in there it, <laughs> if you get in your uh, delorean and go yeah. back in time <laughs> somebody needs to buy me a calendar uh march 22nd gardner kansas cars for kids classic car show at the gardner elementary school 218 east shawnee street from 6 to 10 p.m admission is absolutely free yeah march 22nd through the 24th in st joseph missouri the second annual 
Midwest Motorama. It's at the St. Joseph Civic Center at 100 North 4th Street. That's uh, car, truck, bike, and rat rod show. Lots of classes, awards, and giveaways. Contact show chairman at 816-390-0243. And by the way, St. Joe is really picking up on the car show stuff, man. Oh, yeah. There's, they're, they're so busy up lot there. A lot of gearheads there. Well, March 30th, Kansas City, Missouri, you can go to the Spring Car Meet and Cruise and or Cruise. It's in Mackin Park in North Kansas City at 32nd Avenue in Howell. Uh, be there at 4 to 7 p.m. Nice way to spend a little evening. March 30th in Olathe, Kansas, the second annual. Olathe! Yeah, and this is your show. Uh, the second annual OATC Car and oh, Bike yeah, Show. Yeah. The Olathe Advanced Technical Center, 611 North Nelson Road. Noon to 3. Uh, OATC, you were telling me that your son... Yeah, my son graduated from there. He's uh, he's working in remodeling for a really nice company in Olathe that does like those multi-million dollars home, and he's doing the plumbing, uh, and the new builds. Well, and it's good to see that there's still a program out there that's oh. teaching kids technical skills. Yeah. that we so desperately that's, need that, that. Jerk is out of high school making much more money than I made bef- mm-hmm. by the time I was thirty. Wow, and I'm I'm very proud of the hey. jerk. Well. <laughs> Hey, good, good on your son, and he can probably help with some of the repairs from that. Smart boy, didn't go into radio. It's all the T-shirts you can eat. Proceeds go to go to fund uh, Skills USA participation. For more information, call nine one three seven eight zero seven zero two six. On April 6th in Kansas City, Missouri, we got the 6th Annual Streetcar Takeover Kickoff Party. That's out at Arrowhead. We all know where Arrowhead is. Uh, it's 10 a.m. to 8 p.m., and if it <laughs> rains, it's going to be on April 7th. You know, that streetcar takeover is getting to be a big deal. That's, yeah, They're having is. a heck of a turnout for that thing. Now, this, this is pretty specifically like uh, uh, the things, the little mod rods. I think they'll take about anything that shows up, and it's there's a lot of variation in what they get out there. So I'm probably going to drag one of my cars. Really? Yeah. So it's not just like Honda Civics and Acuras uh, that can go no, 200 I, miles per take hour. Take the green Shelby. <laughs> the green Shelby Corvette. will just be a couple weirdos. Hey, there. let's do that. Yeah. April 13th in Independence. Uh, it's a new. It's a new date. It was rescheduled from April uh, 27th. Uh, Rusty Metal Spring Swap Meet. It's at the B&B Theater's Twin Drive-In. That's on a 291 Highway, 7 a.m. to 2 p.m. So nice early one. Oh, yeah. Get in there, uh, go buy some cool stuff and swap some stuff. Pre-register for premium spaces or the pre-registration special of a 20 by 60 That's space. a huge space. That's a huge space. For only 45 bucks, go to RustyMetalProductions.com. Hey, those guys at Rusty Metal, we ran into them at the uh, Pistons and Pinups over at the drive-in oh yeah yeah they put on some great shows yeah, love those it's cats. cool and it's fun shows oh fun absolutely stuff. you know you've got even more of these and i'm sure you're going to put them up on your uh, website we'll have all of this stuff and more at readthedriven.com thanks so much for spending time with driven radio we love what we do and we wouldn't be able to do it without the support of our audience you can find us online at readthedriven.com follow us on facebook at driven radio show uh on twitter at driven radio show pippa.io uh tunein.com itunes stitcher google play everywhere you want to find podcasts i'm brett hatfield for Vern Estes and mark groves thank you very much for lending us your ears we love what we do we wouldn't be able to do it without you we'll catch you next time on driven radio